Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We're going to continue our series, Airplane Mode, Practicing Spiritual Disciplines. You know, in today's busy world, it's a challenge sometimes to, to deepen our relationship with the Lord, and many times we need to unplug from the constant noise and distractions that we all face and connect with God more than anything. And that's what this series, Airplane Mode, is all about. Uh, Today we're going to look at the spiritual discipline of engaging with Scripture, engaging with the Bible. You know, for more than a decade, researchers from the Center for Bible Engagement, and I must confess I did not know that was a thing, but the Center for Bible Engagement for more than a decade has done research They've surveyed more than 400,000 people from around the world. Uh, The participants span across 24 countries from churches, schools, and even the general population between the ages of 8 and 80. And you know what they found? The key discovery from their research is that the life of someone who engages with Scripture, and we're going to talk about what engaging means, but uh, the life of someone who engages with Scripture four times or more a week is radically different from someone who does not. Think about that. If you engage with God's Word four times a week or more, your life's going to be completely different from someone who does not. That's pretty compelling right there. In fact, the lives of Christians who do not engage the Bible most days of the week, believe it or not, statistically are the same as those who are not believers. That should make us cringe. You know, Donald Whitney said this. He said, no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's Word. Nothing can substitute for it. There is simply no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of Scripture. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll know that the Bible refers to itself as milk and meat. Milk for the new Christian, meat for the mature believer. In other words, this Word of God is to, we're to treat it like a meal. You probably wouldn't go too long without eating something, You don't need to go too long into the day without, you know, seeking God. You know, my my grandfather, who was a Pentecostal preacher, his favorite Bible verse was Matthew 4.4. You know what that says? It says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You and I, we like to eat, at least I know I do, but we also need spiritual nourishment, and you're only going to get that from God's Word. You know, 1 Peter 2, uh, Peter compared God's Word to milk. Listen to what he says. He says, like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the Word so that you may grow up into your salvation if you've tasted that the Lord is good. What we learn from that passage is, When you become a Christian, you are now a baby believer. You've you've received life, and just like you're you're born, you're born again, and you've got to grow up in your salvation. And so, just like babies crave milk, as a new Christian, you're going to crave the milk of the Word. You're going to want to know more about this goodness of God. You know, you, you learn through the gospel that He loves you, 
that He sent His Son to die on the cross to save you. And you're like, man, that's good. I, I, I want to hear some more. And so you begin to desire the, the milk of the Word of God. You know, I can confess to you that before I got saved, I hated reading. It was my worst subject. I can remember the transition from, from elementary school to junior high. I know I just dated myself. They don't even use those words now, right? It's elementary and middle. I get it. But, but the transition for me from elementary to middle school or junior high was really hard for me. I went from making A's, 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 and then I had to take this reading class, and I like bombed out. The first six weeks, I came home. You can ask my mom. I had a D, Gordon, a D, okay? What's wrong? I don't know, Mom. We got to find out. And so, you know, back then they had these readers, you know, you had to bring them home and you were assigned to read, you know, a certain chapter or so many pages. And she goes, all right, I want you to read this to me. So I read it out loud to my mom. And at the end of every story, they always had some questions. So I give her the book back. She asked me the questions and I'm like, I don't know. I just read it out loud to her. And she asked me some basic questions, and I'm like, I don't know. So imagine my surprise. When I got saved, I went from hating reading to now that I'm saved, man, God's good. You know, He loves me. He sent His Son to die on the cross for me, and I want to know more about the Bible. Well, I didn't understand the Bible I had, and so uh, a friend in the youth group had a, a living Bible. That's a paraphrase, by the way. And uh, I, I just needed something to get me started, kind of like training wheels on riding a bike. And so I, I took that Bible and I began to just read it. And for the first time in my life, y'all, I would read something and I would remember it. And I could tell you what it said and I could go back and say, it was right there. There it is. Man, what a feeling that was. It was awesome. You know, when you're a new Christian, one of the things that will happen to you based on that passage in 1 Peter 2, is just like a baby craves milk, you're going to want to know the milk of the Word. What, what, what are the basic things that the Bible teaches? I, I want to know. I, I need to know. And then as you grow up in your salvation, uh, then you become more mature. And in Hebrews 5, verse 12, uh, the Bible says, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. There comes a time that you begin to grow and you want more than just the milk. You want the meat of the Word. You want to know what the Bible says, not for trivial reasons, not to impress somebody in Sunday school, but you've got deeper questions in your mind, in your heart, and you want to know what does God say about this, and how do I discern this, and how do I know when God wants me to do here, and what about this, and what about that? And there comes a time when you grow in your salvation, you grow in the Word to where the Bible says you ought to be able to share that with someone else, but you're you haven't developed yet. You're still needing the milk, and that's a rebuke for those that don't grow in maturity. And then, of course, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul's talking to the church in Corinth. He says, For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babes in Christ, I give you 
milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready. Sometimes people get stuck in their spiritual growth, and God wants to show you more because there's more to discover. There's more to see. There's more to learn. There's more growth uh, that you can go deeper in your relationship with God, and He says you're just not ready yet. And so I want to encourage you today because I want to show you how to position yourself to engage with Scripture and to position yourself in a way that you become ready to act on the things that God shows you so that you can grow up in your salvation and not just enjoy the milk of the, wheat, of the Word, but the meat of the Word as well. Now, in case you're wondering, you might say, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor, because you've been doing this a long time. Well, let me share with you my favorite quote, and it sums up my sentiments. Everett Harris said this. He said, no one ever graduates from Bible study until he meets the author face to face. Let me say that again. No one graduates from Bible study until he meets the author of this book face to face. I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to discover more and more about what the Word of God says and what it means and what it teaches because it's, it's simple enough and shallow enough for a, a child to understand the big picture, but it's so deep to fathom the, the mind of God and the heart of God, which still amazes me to this day. And so I've got this uh, illustration. I hope it's up. It's called The Word Hand by the Navigators. And... Uh, it, it, it uses your hand to show you all the different ways, there you go, that you um, engage with Scripture. Now, notice that the pointer finger says memorize, and then study, and then read, and then hear, okay? But notice the thumb. The thumb says meditate. And think about your hand. The thumb does things that the others can't do. Uh, the thumb can touch each individual finger in a way that the other fingers can't touch each other. Helps with your grip. And, you know, we could talk about the, the value of memorizing Scripture, of studying Scripture, of reading and hearing, but we're going to eventually look at meditation. But let me, let me show you very quickly what these verses say on, on the hand. For instance, let's start with the, the pinky where it says to hear the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 tells us faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. There is value in hearing the Word of God. I mean, right now, you're hearing me teach the Word of God. Uh, you could go home, you could get your phone out, you could pull up a Bible app, and you can listen to it read Scripture to you, okay? It wouldn't even cost you a thing. If you've got a um, a phone that, that has that capability. It's real easy to put a, a Bible app on your phone, pick a passage that you want to listen to, and play it, and just listen. Listen to the Word of God, okay? Uh, there's value in hearing the Word of God, but it shouldn't stop there. Notice the next part of the hand is, is to read, to read the Word of God. Revelation, granted the last book of the Bible, comes with a special promise. It says, in Revelation 1.3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it because the time is near. Well, not only is that a special promise for Revelation, but I would generalize it and say you can get a blessing when you read the whole Word of God, you know, from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, it is good to read the Word of God. 
And you and I ought to do that. And then, of course, the next part of the hand uh, is to study God's Word. I love what Acts 17.11 says. This is uh, where Paul went to Berea. And I'm not talking about the town on I-75, okay? But uh, Paul went to Berea, and it says, The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, since they received the Word with eagerness and examine the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. In other words, they studied Scripture. And whenever they heard somebody refer to Scripture or teach from Scripture, they, they didn't just swallow it and say, oh, okay, he must be an expert. Oh, he, he has a Bible under his hand. He must be a preacher. He must know what he's talking about. No, this was Paul the Apostle. He wrote effectively a third of the New Testament, and they didn't care. They, they heard what he said, and then they went back and compared it to what the Scripture says to see if what he was saying was true. I love that, okay? So when, so when you hear someone say, be a Berean believer, it means don't just swallow everything you hear. Go back to the Word of God and make sure it agrees with Scripture. And then, of course, the pointer finger in the word hand is memorizing. How many of you remember from Vacation Bible School, Psalm 119? where it says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Uh, when you hide God's word in your heart, when you treasure it in your heart, uh, the way you do that is you memorize it. Uh, that way you can recall it and remember it later. All of those have value. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. You should do all those things. But here's the thing. If I was going to go to a personal trainer and say, all right, in, in, in six months, I want to lose this amount of pound. I want to have this much body mass. I want to be in shape. I want to do this, that, and the other. Uh, I wouldn't go to someone that says, well, you just need to diet and exercise. I could have figured that much out on my own, right? I need somebody that's got the skill to be able to show me, here are some steps that you need to take. Here are some specific things you need to do if you want to get those kind of results. Somebody that's, that's knowledgeable, uh, 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 enough and an expert that's skilled that can give me a tailor, uh, tailorized, uh, customized uh, plan that helps me get to where I want to go. In the same way, that's what I'm going to do for you today. I want to show you how you can maximize your engagement with God's Word and the things that you need to do in order to grow from the milk of the Word to the meat of the Word. And it all has to do with that hand there particularly the thumb that says meditate, okay? Because when you know how to use your thumb and your fingers together, you can get a grip on things a whole lot better. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, How happy or blessed is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of the mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. What a beautiful picture of what a life looks like when someone chooses to meditate on God's Word, okay? Someone that meditates on God's Word they don't walk in the advice of the wicked. They don't stand in the path of sinners. They don't sit with the company of mockers. They delight in God's word. They meditate on it day and night. And because of that, they're like a tree planted by water. They're always fruitful. 
God always blesses what they're doing. Why? Because they're, they're connecting to God every day. They're meditating on His Word every day. And you see a difference in their life that stands out from everyone else. Now, if you look at this word hand that's up there, meditation is the process that accompanies each of the other four methods of Scripture intake. That's why meditation is assigned the thumb. Only the thumb can touch all of the other four fingers. And so by meditating on God's Word as we hear it, as we read it, as we study it, as we memorize it, we discover its transforming power in us. Um, Donald Whitney shared an illustration that I want to share with you. It's about the power of meditating on Scripture, okay? I love a good glass of tea, don't you? And sometimes, instead of just buying it, you can buy you a box of those tea bags and you can make your own tea at home. But you got to get that water really, really hot. And then you take that tea bag and you put it in the hot water. You know, meditating on God's Word is like that. Think about it. Meditating on God's Word goes beyond hearing the Word, reading it, studying it, or memorizing it. Consider the analogy of a cup of tea. Imagine you're the cup of water, and imagine that God's Word is the tea bag. Okay? And so imagine that uh, you, you grab that tea bag, and hearing God's Word is like one dip uh, of the tea bag in the hot water. Just one quick dip. It's not going to do much. If you just dip it in and pull it right back out, that's not going to be much. It's not going to be good tea, is it? Some of the tea's flavor is absorbed, but not as much that would occur if you just put that tea bag in the hot water and walked away and let it thoroughly soak through the bag. You know, in this analogy, if you will, reading, studying, and memorizing God's Word are like additional dips of the tea bag in the hot water. But the more frequently the tea permeates the water, the more effect it has. And meditation's like that. Meditation is like immersing the whole bag of tea and letting it seep into the hot water until all the flavor is there. And so what I want to show you today is when you begin to meditate on God's Word, you're maximizing the opportunity that the Word of God has to speak to you, to shape you, to change you, to guide you. And that's what I want to look at today. So here we go. The best way to engage with the Bible, I'm going to give you the three R's. It's easy to remember. You know, talk to some of our teachers. It used to be the three R's of education, reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? I'm going to give you the three R's on how to engage with the Bible. The first one is to read, to read. You know, a LifeWay research study revealed that the top two reasons people claim that they didn't read the Bible were this. It's not a priority, and I don't have time. Think about that. The top two reasons that people gave for not reading their Bible, it's not a priority, and I don't have time. One thing's for sure. We all have the same amount of time, don't we? 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. 365 days in a year. We all have the same amount of time. It's how you choose to use your time. And truthfully, one of the excuses was true, not making it a priority. But I love what Thomas Watson said years ago. He said, don't stop reading in the Bible 
until you find your hearts warm. I like that. See, the, the Word of God will gauge your temperature. And he says, don't stop reading the Bible until it makes your heart warm. Now, what does he mean by that? He was a Puritan. What, what does he mean by that? Well, it reminds me of, of, a, of a story uh, after the resurrection of Jesus when Jesus is walking on the road to uh, Emmaus and he appears to these two disciples and they're talking about all the things that have happened and he's just kind of playing along. They do not recognize him. And finally they stop and the Bible says that... Um, um, it was as he reclined at the table in Luke 24, 30. Uh, it was as Jesus reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and gave it to them. And then the Bible says their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. And look at what they said to each other. Weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Here was Jesus in the flesh talking with them on the road to Emmaus. They didn't understand the things that had happened in Jerusalem, the crucifixion, uh, the death and, and burial of Jesus. They didn't quite understand it. They thought He was the promised one. Why did He have to die? And Jesus begins to use their Old Testament. And He begins to point to verses they've probably heard all their life, and He's explaining what they mean. He's, he's using those Scriptures to point to who He is and what He came to do and why He did it. And all of a sudden, as he, uh, uh, as he disappears and they realized who He really was, they said, weren't our hearts burning? Didn't our hearts warm up uh, inside when He was explaining the Scriptures to us? Can I tell you that when Thomas Watson says, don't stop reading the Bible until you find your hearts warm, what that means is as you begin to read the Word of God, it begins to read you. And all of a sudden, it speaks to you straight to the heart. You don't need to rush your Bible reading. I'm not going to give you a time frame like you need to read this many minutes or you need to read this amount of you know, text. I'm just saying that when you read the Word of God, give God your undivided attention and ask Him to speak to you. Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Open my eyes so that I may contemplate wondrous things from your instruction. You know, I began to practice that as a new Christian. Remember I hated to read? I didn't like reading. I couldn't remember the things that I would read. And so very, only, very early on in my walk with Christ, I stumbled into a great opportunity. I just came to God and I said, Lord, I don't understand the Bible. I've never read it. I don't know it. Please help me understand it. I would pray before I read. And little did I know I was doing the best thing I possibly could have. I was saying, God, please speak to me when I read your word. Show me something that I don't understand. Show me something new. And I began to come to the Bible with prayer and with faith and with an expectation that he was going to speak to me, that he was going to show me something. And can I tell you, I never walked away disappointed. I didn't walk away disappointed. He would begin to show me things in the word. There was always something new to see, always something new to discover. The best way to engage with Scripture is to read it. The second R is to reflect. Now, this is critical. This is the, this is the heart of it right here. If you miss this, you're, you're not going to quite understand everything that I've been talking about today. You don't just read the Word of God. You've got to reflect on it. Anybody can say, oh, I read my Bible every day. You know, I read this much, and then when I'm done, i got to go, man. 
I got things to do. I'm busy. We can all say that, right? It's kind of like checking the box. Well, I've got to read the Bible today. Well, I read my Bible today. And we read it, and then off we go. It reminds me of what James said, right? Don't be a, be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only, because somebody who hears the Word, I would also say somebody that just reads the Word, but doesn't, doesn't process it, doesn't apply it, is like looking in a mirror and walking out the door and forgetting what you saw. See, I squatted down because there's the mirror right back there. I can see it. All right? So, so think about it. Five ways to reflect on God's Word. Five ways to dig deeper. Um, this is good, I think. If you want to reflect on the Bible, you might say, well, okay, I, I can read. Uh, if it's not a long passage, I can do that. It don't take long. What do you mean by reflect on Scripture? Well, here's what I mean. I mean dig deeper. Think, think more about it. You can underline or highlight things. Now, some of you might go, I've never wrote in my Bible. You should try. Some people are like, I didn't know we could do that. You can go to any Bible bookstore, Christian bookstore, and they have highlighters. And let me say this up front. Don't, don't blame this on me if you mess up your Bible. Don't go to Walmart and get a highlighter. That's the wrong kind of highlighter. It will mess your Bible up, okay? You go to a Bible bookstore. We've got a couple here in the community. You can go to either one, and you can get a highlighter for your Bible. It's kind of like a colored pencil. It's got a, different, uh, it's got a different feel to it, but it won't bleed through the pages, and it will allow you to highlight or underline things that jump out at you on the page when you read your Bible so that the next time you go back and open your Bible that place, you kind of have the benefit of picking up where you left off. Oh, yeah, I remember when God showed me that. Oh, yeah. And you begin to go a little bit deeper down the, the, the trail there of understanding what that Scripture is saying to you. So use the right kind of highlighter. You can underline or highlight things in your Bible. Uh, you can, as you're reading a, a verse or a passage, as you think about it, put it in your own words. For, for example, um, you can... Um, you can think about the story, you know, of the prodigal son, and, and you can start saying, oh, yeah, that was the son who, who wanted everything from his dad right then, and then he took off and lived it up, and finally he, he came back. And you can put, the, you, can put it, you know, the story into your own words as you begin to remember more details and things like that. Uh, a third thing you can do is you can ask questions, basic questions like uh, who, what, when, where, how, and why basic questions that you can ask about any passage to discover what's there. Who's this talking about? Or who's speaking? Why are they speaking? Where did this take place and when? How is this relevant? Just basic questions to help you unlock the meaning of the passage. And of course, capture the big idea. Every once in a while, you can, you can read something and go, what's the big idea here? Like the... Uh, the the uh, Good Samaritan. We all know the story about the Good Samaritan. And uh, if you want to know more about that story, you read it in its context. And Jesus was telling us to love our neighbor. And this wise guy says, well, who is my neighbor? Like, is it somebody that lives right across the street? Do I only have to focus on them? Uh, who is my neighbor? And Jesus begins to tell the story about the, the, uh, the uh, Good Samaritan. And so... Uh, capture the big idea. 
Uh, the fifth thing you can do to process and dig deeper in God's Word is personalize the meaning. Personalize it. Like, for instance, when John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Put your name in there. For God so loved Corey that He did this. And so personalize the passage to unlock the meaning. All these things help you go from reading the Word of God to reflecting on the Word of God. And I want to tell you that reflecting is the true essence of meditating. Meditating is when you think about what you're thinking. See if that got anybody's attention. Think about what I'm thinking. Yeah. You, 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 what are you thinking about? You know, we had a, we had a, a principal... Uh, years ago that would come to us when we were in elementary school in the cafeteria. He loved to sit with students, and we'd see him coming. Oh, here, com- here he comes, Principal Principal King. He'd come on, hey, boys, what you doing? Nothing. What you talking about? Nothing. And his favorite comeback was, the hole in the donut is nothing. You got to be talking about something. What are you talking about? And everybody would kind of look at, each other, like, you're going to tell them? I don't know, you're going to tell them? You know, but he always had a way to engage the students. And we saw him coming, oh, we're not doing nothing. Well, meditation, you're thinking about what you're thinking. You know, we're thinking about God's Word, so now we're going to be thinking about what it says, what it means, and we're processing it, okay? We're processing it. The third R, we go from read the Word to reflect upon the Word to respond to the Word. That's why these three R's are so important, to respond to the Word of God. I'll give you an illustration on that. How do we respond to the Word of God? Well, once you read the Word of God and you begin to ponder it and reflect upon it, God's going to speak to you, and the question's going to be, what are you going to do about it? I mean, if God is trying to teach you something, are you willing to learn? If God is trying to correct you, are you willing to receive that feedback? I mean, whatever God's saying, are you willing to receive it and respond with faith and obedience? Some of you are familiar with the space method. The space space method, it takes the word space, S-P-A-C-E, and it's five little questions that will help you say, how do I respond to God's word? The S is sin to confess. When you read the Bible and you're processing it, is, is there a sin that you need to confess? Is, is this passage speaking to you about some kind of sin in your life and you go, man, I shouldn't be doing this. I know I shouldn't be doing this. This is how God wants me to respond to this passage. Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Maybe God is promising uh, something through this passage. And if I meet that condition, then I can claim His promise. Okay? Um, uh, you got S-P-A-C-E, so sin to confess, promise to claim, attitude to change. Maybe I'm, I, maybe I'm reading the Word of God and God is confronting me about an attitude that I have and He's saying, you need to change your attitude, mister. And so that becomes the pathway of response to the passage. Or maybe there's a command to obey. God is commanding us to do something and it's clear, it's understood, but am I going to do it? And then, of course, the E is an example to follow. This little space acrostic, sin to confess, promise to claim, attitude to change, command to obey, and example to follow, it it gives you space for God to work in your life. Answer those five little questions, and you will 
you, you will have the Holy Spirit lead you to a point of response, a point of decision. The choice will be yours. Will you do it or not? Now, I love that. Many of you are familiar with that space method of Bible study because it comes from our D groups, our disciple groups. I think we've got about 10 D groups right now. We've got 30-something people uh, in our church and even outside our church that are going through D groups. And I want to tell you, I really believe in D groups, and here's why. Because D groups are groups of three to four, maybe five, but ideally three to four people, men with men, women with women. And you know what they do? They, they meet weekly, and on your own, you're reading a chapter of the Bible five times a week. Now, why is that important? Remember what I said at the very beginning of this message? that the Center for Bible Engagement said people that engage with the Word of God at least four times or more a week, their lives are completely different from those that don't. Imagine, imagine reading just one chapter of the Bible a day, five days a week, and then meeting with three or four other people weekly to discuss what you're learning and what God's saying to you, you encourage one another, you pray for each other, and then every other month you do some kind of service project to serve other people, to remind you that life's not about me, it's about God and serving others. And, and I love, over the past couple years, some of the stories that I've heard from our D groups. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll bless our, our law enforcement, our first responders. Uh, I know one, one D group has helped a, a, a woman that had to have a uh, minor little repair project in her home before she could get her kids back, and they helped with that. I know some have done uh, handicap ramps for those that need that. I mean, there's all kinds uh, uh, of stories that I hear every other month or two of things that are going on out there because people are saying, hey, I'm going to read my Bible five times a week. I'm going to meet weekly with three or four people. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to share what we're learning and what God's saying to us. And then we're going to go out and do something to bless other people. It doesn't have to be something great or grand, just, just simple acts of kindness. We're going to do something to bless other people. And, and just to see the, the change in their lives, to hear the, the, the stories, that's what it's all about. And so I want to encourage you today to learn to engage with Scripture. And the best way to do that is those three R's. Make a commitment to read the Bible daily. And don't just read it and close the book and check the box and say, man, I, I got to go. I got things to do. Read the word and then stop and reflect on it. Go back and read it again. Start thinking about it. What's it saying? Who's it talking about? What's the big idea? And, and, and I know this kind of sounds mechanical, but it's not because once you begin to do it, I mean, think about it. If, 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 some, if some major breaking news came came. Uh, uh, if some major, major breaking news happened right now that was going to happen around the world and affect us right now, and somebody shared, shared it through a, a magazine article or a newspaper, you would immediately say, let me see that. You'd look at the headline. You'd look at the pictures. You'd start reading. What, what, what's going on here? Who did this? What, what did they say? What does this mean? You would be tearing it up, and you would be doing that you know, subconsciously. When you read the Word of God, if you come with an open mind and an open heart, you'll begin to question and process things. It'll just happen. 
So it's not mechanical. I'm just breaking it down just so you can kind of understand how it works. But read the Word of God. Reflect on it. Think about it. Ponder what's it saying. And then before you close the book, prayerfully say, God, what do you want me to see here? And be willing to respond to whatever He shows you, whatever He says. And as simple as that is, if you'll practice these three R's daily, it will totally revolutionize your walk with Christ. You know, the um, Willow Creek Church up in Chicago, Bill Hybels was the founding pastor. A huge mega church. It's been over a decade now, but years ago, they would get surveys from their members, and they were realizing that they had a lot of decisions They had a lot of things going on, but people as a whole in the congregation were not satisfied with the spiritual maturity in their lives and where they were with Christ. And they they, they brought in a consultant. They spent a lot of money. They did all kinds of research. And and I'm going to give it to you for free. You know what they learned at the end of the day? They learned that the number one predictor of spiritual growth was daily Bible reading and reflecting on what you read. That was the number one indicator for spiritual growth. Nothing else came close. And so don't settle for just showing up to church on Sundays. Don't don't settle for saying, well, I'm a Christian because I made a decision so many years ago. I want to challenge you today to say, hey, are you engaging with God's Word at least four times a week? Read the Word. Reflect on the Word. Respond to the Word. Try it for a while. Try it for a week. Try it for two. And see if it doesn't change your life. It'll increase your awareness of God's presence. And you will see things in your life that maybe you didn't know were possible. All because you do what Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's what Scripture is. So this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to read one last passage, or I'll refer to it. You know, it's in 2 Timothy 3, where Paul told young Timothy, he said that the Scriptures are able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, the more you read this book, the more you will realize that this book is talking about God and me and how He wants to have a relationship with me and how He's made it possible for you and I to have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth. He was fully God. He was fully man. He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He took upon Himself the punishment that you and I deserved when He died on that cross. And then he rose from the dead, proving he is the Son of God, and he offers the gift of eternal life to anyone who's willing to trust and follow him. You learn that when you read the Word of God. Have you ever took that first step? Have you ever come to a point where you read the Bible and it's more than just head knowledge, but it warms your heart? I want to encourage you this week. Get along with God. Pray and say, God... Would you please speak to me through your word? Do that first. And then read until he makes your heart warm. See what he shows you. See what he says. And begin to read, reflect, and respond to the word every day. 
And I promise you, I promise you, it'll change your life. Let's all stand as musicians come. This is going to be our time of invitation. This is your opportunity to respond to the Word of God. The Word of God is speaking to us today. And He's saying, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you believe that He is the Son of God? Do you believe that He died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that He rose again on the third day, proving that He is who He claimed to be? And He offers to you the free gift of eternal life because He's already paid for it with His own life, shed His own blood. Are you willing to come right now and say, Lord, I believe. I believe. We're going to sing here in just a moment. And I encourage you right now that you'll make that commitment, that you'll say, God, I I believe that you love me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And Lord, I want to take that first step of faith. I want to trust and follow you. Thank you for what Jesus has done uh, for me. I receive that by faith, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name as we sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.